Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. If you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground, and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Malka Sports. Follow them online at malkasports.com. Well, a few weeks ago, we had Darren Heitner, sports lawyer, IP lawyer, on to talk about the legalities of the new NIL laws. We wanted to get the student-athlete perspective this week. So joining us to provide that perspective, Jaden Grant, Oregon State University football star. He's one of the elite defensive backs in the country, plays for the Oregon State Beavers. He's probably going to play in the NFL. I've known his dad, Brian Grant, and his mom, Gina Grant, for many, many years. So Uh, He's been on the show before, very well-spoken, eloquent young man. And then Dana Redke, she is a volleyball star for the University of Wisconsin. She's probably going to play professionally when she graduates. So two elite student-athletes are joining us to share their perspective. I think you're going to hear their wise beyond their years. And if you work in an athletic department or you're a coach or you're a student-athlete, I think you'll find today's show especially helpful. Joined by Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good. And just uh, just a cool conversation. Like you said, they're so wise beyond their years because these student-athletes nowadays, it's not like they're just going and playing sports. They're branding themselves. They're learning how to financially set themselves up for the future. So, yeah, with this NIL stuff now, there's so much changing world and things around it. It's uh, very interesting to hear both their perspectives today. Yeah, and we're only one month in. So, you know, there's so much unknown still. 
a lot of athletic departments and conferences aren't willing to talk about what they're doing around NIL because they just don't know yet. They don't know what their rules are. It's all very fluid, but it was interesting to get the student athlete perspective from Jaden and Dana, and I think you'll enjoy that and find it insightful this week. All right, let's look at some headlines sticking in college sports with headline number one, Oklahoma and Texas have accepted invitations to join the Southeastern Conference in July of 2025. This happened last week. We didn't talk about it because we had Bob Costas on the show and devoted the show to that. By the way, if you missed that interview, just a gem. Uh, Bob Costas, one of the iconic broadcasters of all time, and I think you will enjoy that interview. So go back into the archives on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast and listen to Bob Costas last week. But this was a big story. And, you know, it's not supposed to happen until 2025, Griggs, but the fact that the Longhorns and Sooners are leaving the Big 12, it looks like, it looks like we're one step closer to what we've been saying for years on this show and what we've heard from guests, which is there's going to be the formation of four super conferences, the SEC, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC. The Big 12 is probably going to go away or it's not going to be a super conference. Uh, and there's the haves and the have nots in college sports. And one of the things that frustrates me is it's the same four or five football teams competing for the national title every year. It's mostly the same basketball teams competing in March madness. Every once in a while, we'll see a Cinderella, but, uh, I think we're really moving towards the, the mega teams and mega conferences and the sec is going to be downright ridiculous with the teams that are playing in that conference every Saturday with Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, you're bringing these major mega corporations into that conference because Oklahoma and Texas are two of the strongest financially active uh, and well-supported athletic departments in the country, Griggs. Yeah, I believe Texas brings in the most money out of all college football. So, I mean, that's a, a big get for them. And they were rumoring, you know, I mean, they were looking at joining the Pac-12, making a Pac-16 a couple of years ago. That didn't happen. Now here they are going to the SEC. And like you said, I think it's it's definitely that model of the four power conferences is is heading that way. I think we're going to have more playoffs, more teams in the playoffs and, and restructuring, which it needs to happen. I think we need to start getting some other teams in there and, uh, you know, not just the same two every year and hopefully... You know, with these big conferences and a change of the playoff structure, it might start getting that way. Well, and it's laughable to anyone who suggests that this wasn't in the works for a while, right? Like you don't get Oklahoma and Texas on the same page to agree to move from the Big 12 to the SEC and alert the SEC that this is all happening unless you're having some conversations. It's not like they woke up a week ago and said, hey, you know what? Let's do this. Let's put out press releases at the same time and the same kind of messaging and talking statements and all of that stuff. So this has been in the works for a while, whether the big 12 knew about it or not, who knows, but it's been in the works for a while. So this will be an interesting story to watch for the next few years. All right. Our next headline, could the Buffalo bills of the NFL be on the move? The Buffalo news reported on Sunday that the bills are seeking at least $1.1 billion of 100% taxpayer-funded money for a new stadium in Buffalo. The deal would total $1.5 billion overall because the Buffalo Sabres would also be playing in an arena nearby. The team's lease at its Orchard Park Stadium, this is the Bills, expires in 2023. So, Griggs, we see this a lot, right? You've got your arena or stadium lease expiring. 
And if there's not a new deal agreed to, and it's not mostly paid for by the public, oh, let's threaten to move. And Griggs, one of the places rumored for the bills to move is Austin, Texas, one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. Now you'd have what, four NFL teams in the state of Texas. You got the Cowboys, the Texans, I guess three, um, unless I'm missing Cowboys, Texans. Yeah. And then you'd have this third team, which, I mean, I don't know how the NFL feels about that, but I don't think you want to lose Buffalo. And it, what's interesting is the rumor had always been if the Bills left, they'd go to Toronto. But now after COVID and seeing how strict, you know, it is to get into Canada, by the way, the Blue Jays, as we told you a few weeks ago, just played their first home game in over two years in Toronto. So I guess, you know, they'd want to stay in the United States and, and play by the rules of the United States versus having to deal with a, a foreign government. But this will be an interesting story to watch. Uh, you know, again, this happens a lot where teams threaten to move and threaten to, you know, they want that taxpayer money. But it's pretty gutsy to go out and, you know, after COVID and after the economy has done what it's done to say we need 100% taxpayer funded package of $1.5 billion. I think it's realistic the bills could move because I don't think taxpayers are going to want to foot that bill, uh, Griggs. Yeah, I mean, 100% tax paid, that is, uh, that's tough. That's tough. And it's tough to convince them. I mean, the bills are finally relevant after many years. So that does help a little bit. But I don't know if you're going to get enough fans on board to say, yeah, I'll pay all the taxes for the stadium. So that's tough. I mean, I kind of like the Austin thing because Austin is a cool spot and they got Austin FC now. But uh, man, do we need another Texas NFL team? Maybe not. Yeah. All right. Our next headline. NBC's primetime coverage of the Tokyo Olympics continues to shed viewers. The average audience so far, 14 and a half million viewers per night, which is good enough to win the night, which is great for NBC. But it's down 48 percent from 2016 in Rio and 58 percent from London in 2012. The opening ceremony, which was delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic drew 16.7 million viewers, the smallest audience for the opening ceremony broadcast since the 1988 Soul Games. That is a long time ago. So, uh, you know, viewing habits have changed during the pandemic, as we've been discussing on this show for the last 18 months. But, uh, you know, the Olympics ratings are down sharply. Their streaming is up, but... I don't know, Griggs. Uh, I, I think this is part of the new normal where people just aren't watching as much TV. Well, I mean, a couple of things. First, the opening ceremonies look like a rehearsal. I mean, it was a joke. It looked like they were just out right. there practicing. So that was worthless. And then, you know, I think, like you said, there's so much content in the world right now. It's who wants to watch the Olympics? It's hard because nothing's live. I mean, I wanted to watch that USA Women's Canada soccer game. It's 1 a.m. my time. I mean, I'm not going to get up at 1 a.m. on a Monday to watch a, a streaming soccer game. So it's like it's hard to follow because the stuff you want to watch is never actually in prime time and everything's delayed. And because everything's on social media, you know, the outcomes and the spoilers before you get to watch it. So it's like it's just hard to follow. Well, that's a big thing. I think the spoilers, it's, it's so hard in this day and age to not know the result. And you know, if you've got a, a 14 or 15 hour gap between when the game took place and when NBC's airing it in prime time, um, you know, and, and I'm noticing there's not as many stories around these athletes. Like before, that was part of the NBC coverage is you got to know these athletes. You already knew the result, but you were getting to know, you know, their backstory. And I'm not seeing that as much this year. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but I'm not seeing that as much 
this year. All right, our next headline. This is the time of the year where it's like monopoly money is handed out. NBA free agency is underway. Ed Griggs, as I tweeted out yesterday, it's hilarious to me. So it starts at six o'clock Eastern time. And at like 6.01, Woj and Shams are already announcing like dozens of deals that have been made. And it's like laughable to think that there's not conversations taking place before the actual trade, you know, the free agency period begins. So here are some deals that were made. Chris Paul reportedly has agreed to a four-year deal worth up to $120 million to stay with the Sun. So he opted out of his $44 million deal and upgraded to a supersized $120 million deal. By the way, Chris Paul is at about $460 million, $460 million in career earnings thus far. I mean, great player, but wow, that is a lot of money to make over the course of your career. Kyle Lowry is leaving the Raptors, and he's reportedly agreed to a three-year $90 million deal with Coach Spo and the Miami Heat. The Heat also got P.J. Brown from the Bucs, which is a blow to the Bucs and a help to the Heat. So I like what the Heat have been doing in Miami. And that is a team that's going to go to battle every night, exactly the kind of team Coach Spo likes to coach. Uh, Mike Conley reportedly staying with the Jazz, three years, $74 million. Lonzo Ball, I like this one, sign and trade. He has reportedly agreed to a four-year, $85 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. I like what the Bulls are doing with their roster, and they've got some real young talent. They've been looking for a good point guard for several years now, and now Lonzo Ball, only 23 years old, is going to join Zach Levine and uh, a really talented Bulls roster. The Blazers reportedly sign Norman Powell to a five-year, $90 million deal, and they had to do that. I mean, they traded for him. And you couldn't just let him walk for nothing and get nothing for him. And if they're going to trade C.J. McCollum, which seems to be the rumor of the summer, you got to have Norman Powell. So we'll see what happens with the Blazers. Obviously, Damian Lillard, uh, you know, wants to win now. And then Griggs, the last deal that was noteworthy, Duncan Robinson, five-year, $90 million to stay with the Heat. The reason this is notable He's undrafted out of Michigan. It's the largest deal in the history of the NBA for an undrafted player. Not bad. $90 million, Griggs. Man, it was fun last night. I was watching all the tweets and everything happening as it, uh, in real time as these Woj is announcing them all. But uh, yeah, I think the Heat are doing some great things. And wow for Duncan. I mean, he, he showed he can ball. I mean, obviously has been a huge role in getting them to the finals and the playoffs and all that. But uh Man, I, I think, like you mentioned, Lonzo with Zach Levine, that is going to be fun to watch. I see some alley-oops and some airtime showtime coming in, in Chicago. Some props for the Geritol age. If you guys don't know what Geritol is, it's like the, uh, you know, the pill you take when you're getting older. Chris Paul, 36. Kyle Lowry, 35. Mike Conley, 33. And as I said, Chris Paul, $120 million. Kyle Lowry, $90 million. Mike Conley, $74 million. So it used to be when you were 35, 36, you were at the end of the bench, and you were just a good guy in the locker room. And now, much like Tom Brady, these athletes are staying in shape longer. And look at those deals that they're getting, Griggs. I mean, that's some serious money. Yeah, I think I love the Chris Paul thing because I think that shows he's got, you know, some kind of uh, integrity to be with Phoenix. He likes where they're going. So I think uh, you know, he showed in the, in the playoffs, the guy can still go out there and just ball for a quarter and a quarter and a half and take the game over. So I think that's a great, great sign for uh, Phoenix to keep him going. All right, our last headline, how about Major League Baseball's trade deadline? Usually, you know, there's a couple of moves. This was insane. 
And I don't know why it was different this year. Maybe, you know, someone can educate me on that, but it was nuts. And the two teams that were the most active and made me the most angry were my Chicago Cubs, who traded away their four best players, Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees, Javi Baez to the Mets, Chris Bryant to the Giants, and Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox. They gutted the team that just won the World Series a few years ago. These players were fan favorites. They were part of the fabric of the community. The Cubs are making money hand over fist, especially after winning the World Series. You're telling me you couldn't have paid those guys? And by the way, those guys are not at the end of their career. They're all in the prime of their career. And it's ironic, Griggs, Rizzo, Baez, Chris Bryant, all Homer in their first games with their new teams. Now, the D.C. Nationals, they didn't gut their team as badly as the Cubs, but they got rid of Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. They unloaded several other players. They did keep their young star, Juan Soto. But gosh, I know baseball is a business, but I hate it when teams have fire cells. They get rid of all of the fan favorites. You think of when you were a kid and I was a kid, Griggs, we had posters of these players in our room and you become so attached to them. And then one day you wake up and not one of them is gone. Not two of them is gone. They're all gone. And I am not happy with the Ricketts family and the Cubs ownership for what they did to my Cubs this last week. Yeah, I have a buddy that's a big time Cub fan. He texted me and he's like, literally all caps, they just traded my whole team. And I'm like, yeah. it was nuts. And it really is. It's literally all the stars in one of the biggest markets, one of the biggest teams in Major League Baseball. So I'm shocked by that, too. I think everybody is. And uh, I mean, you say you're rebuilding, but how are you rebuilding when you're getting rid of four of your best players who are still young to play? And they just homered in their first games, like you said. It's incredible. Most teams tell you, oh, I am looking for the next Anthony Rizzo. I am looking for the next Javi Baez or Chris Bryant. You had them on your team. And I get the fact that they're not on rookie contracts anymore and you have to pay them a lot of money. But you're the Cubs. You're in Chicago. You're in a big market. DC's in a big market. You recently won championships and had a windfall of revenues due to winning those championships. You're telling me that you can't pay those players when you're in Chicago or D.C. I get it if you're Kansas City or a market like that, even the Florida Marlins. We saw them turn over their team several times, and you know, every five or six years, they'd win a, a World Series title. And I've even had fans say to me, look, if this leads to another title in the next 10 or 15 years and we restock the farm system, I'm all on board with it. Well, guess what? I'm not because I like Rizzo. I like Baez, I like Bryant, and I had this bond with them from winning the World Series a few years ago. I mean, I was really excited as a Cubs fan growing up to see them finally break through, and look how excited the people in Chicago were. So there's a, there's a connection between the fan and these players, and again, I understand this is a business, that's why we do this show, Sports Business Radio, but when you got your team of every major player, that's just not fair to the fans, Griggs. I agree. And I mean, you look, some of these teams, their whole lifelong goal is to get some of these all-stars, these big players. And then the Cubs have four of them and they say, see ya. I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me either. It's, it's horrible for the fans. All right. Coming up next, we're going to do an NIL roundtable from the student athlete perspective. Jaden Grant from Oregon State University's football team. Dana Redke from University of Wisconsin's volleyball team. They will join me next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. 
We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve t-shirts, and short-sleeve t-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. On July 1st, over 400,000 NCAA athletes became eligible to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. A couple of weeks ago on Sports Business Radio, we had sports lawyer Darren Heitner on to talk about NIL and the legal ramifications of NIL. But this week, I wanted to bring the student-athlete perspective. We've got two elite student-athletes joining us for this conversation. Jaden Grant, Oregon State Football. You can follow him on Twitter at Jaden Grant. And Dana Redke, University of Wisconsin Volleyball. You can follow her on Twitter at Dana underscore Redke. Jaden and Dana, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Let's start with Dana. Dana, uh, it's a month in for NIL. It kind of came up quick. You know, NCAA dropped a lot of their legislation on the 30th of June, July 1st. They're like, hey... Here are all the new rules. Not a lot of time to prepare. One month in, how's it going for you? You know, it's going well. I can't really say that we're in a state or, you know, throughout this whole, we're not, we're not in a state to really know what is going on. I think a lot of people, their attitudes have been up in the air about it. Um, Some people have really capitalized on this and have like, for, they foresee that they've seen this coming for a while. And um, other people, I think I put myself in this category of kind of laying low and just seeing what's up, seeing what the opportunities are and um, going from there. So it's kind of been all over the board. Definitely think that from the student athlete perspective, things are really just thrown at us and just like, hey, you can do this. Like, really? That's, that's, that's awesome. But from the institutional perspective as well, I think a lot of things were thrown together, which I think, you know, people are trying to do the best they can for their student athletes. But it's definitely going to take some time, but um, just so far throughout the past month, I've learned a lot. Definitely have um, put a focus on my brand. I've you know been growing it for a while, but putting more of a focus on my brand has been something that I've I've been doing, and then I put more focus on right now. So so far, so good. Just trying to see what's up. Yeah, and I want to come back to it in a minute and hear specifically how you've been growing your brand. But Jaden, one month in. What kind of opportunities have you been approached with? How are you being proactive? I mean, you've got these new NIL rights. How's it been going for you a month in? Um, I mean, it's pretty, been pretty slow. I mean, I did the bulk of my work was, so I've been working on the bill on SB5 here in Oregon since like January. So I actually knew that, you know, it was a, a good possibility that we could get a bill passed by July 1st of 2021. So it's kind of been a long time coming for me. And then, um, with our schools, it was a little bit different because, you know, we had such supportive legislators who were pushing this bill and senators that were pushing this bill. Um, I think institutions over here, they kind of realized that it was going to happen, you know, whether, whether they agreed with it or not. Um, so it gave them a little bit of more time to, to prepare and to really, you know, 
give us all the tools to, you know, help us be successful and also stay safe and, you know, not break any rules when this thing did pass on July 1st. But I mean, as far as me personally, you know, I've had some opportunities here and there, um, but I also didn't just want to jump on any opportunity as well, because I know that 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 could affect your brand as well. So I've just been kind of, I mean, we have fall camp coming up. So I've just kind of been laying low. Um, if the right opportunity presents itself, I'll take it. But um, I haven't really been going out of my way or I haven't even reached out to anybody, you know, asked if they were willing to do anything with me. I'm just kind of playing it by ear right now. So it's not like, oh, July 1st came, the floodgates opened and, you know, you and all of your uh, student athlete friends are being besieged with NIL yeah. opportunities. I know it's funny because it's like I look on Twitter and Twitter's acting like every, every college athlete just got rich on July 1st or something like that. When really it's, it's not really like that. Um, there's a lot of people who could have, the people who could have been like benefiting from their social media accounts and stuff are probably the ones who, you know, had those deals real quick. But I also think it's, it's a thing where like companies are kind of having to evolve with the society as well, because, you know, they might not realize how much, you know, value a, a college athlete could have for their brand because they've never really worked with college athletes before. Dana, is there anyone who sat down with you and said, okay, this is how it's going to work. These are the opportunities. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of rules around copyrights and pictures that you can use and can't use. For instance, if you guys did a deal with someone and you took it in your uniform and you said, hey, this is the picture of me and it goes out, that's a no-no. Like it has to just be a picture of you. Can't be you branded in Wisconsin or Oregon state stuff. Is anyone, Dana, sat down with you and said, here are the rules? Absolutely. And I think that's something that we really needed to get out of the way first so everyone could, you know, save their eligibility. Our administrators at Wisconsin, we just had a volleyball team meeting with about five or six administrators and just kind of asked questions. They went through our handbook that is presented right now. Um, and so I think everyone got a much clearer look at what these rules entail now. There is a fine line. It's definitely defined, but, um, you know, you really, you, it, it can be vague at times, you know, it's no logos, no um, pictures of you playing with your jersey on, just stuff like that. So it's really, there is a line and you can keep them separate, but making sure that everyone is on the same page at all times is important in order for us to save our eligibility. Jaden, what about you at Oregon State? Did someone sit down with you or your teammates and explain, this is how this is going to work. Here's the do's and don'ts. Yeah, definitely. And that was uh, one of their biggest concerns. Even when I was in the meetings with, you know, the senators and the university uh, athletic directors and, and different things like that, one of their concerns was how are we going to get the information and protect our student athletes in time with, you know, a July 1st start date. Um, obviously they managed to do it. Um, and uh, I think, about a few weeks before July 1st, they came in and said, like, you know, this is what's coming. This is what we've done. You know, they partnered with this company called Open Doors. And it makes it really simple to, um, for, you know, companies to reach out to you through, through Open Doors, but also for you to list, you know, all the opportunities, all the things that you've done. That way, it, it's a direct line of communication, you know, with the university through an app that's pretty simple. And it just makes it a lot easier. It's a lot cleaner experience as far as, you know, disclosing your, your NIL deals. So that's kind of where Oregon State's been at. I don't know where, where all the other schools have been at, but they've been really proactive, you know, once they kind of realized that, you know, this, this bill is going to pass regardless of what we think. They kind of were proactive in, in taking the right steps to make sure that our athlete, all of us are, you know, protected. 
Yeah, Open Doors is a great tool. I think Wisconsin uses Open Doors as well, yep. right, Dana? Yep. So yeah, it does make it like a one-stop shop where yep. you know they bring you opportunities, and you can either say yes or no um, through an app. But it's not like you're out there having to to look for all of these opportunities on your own if you don't want to. Dana, you just talked a few minutes ago about building your brand. How are you building your brand, and and what does your brand entail, in your opinion? Yeah. So for me, just building my brand has just been me being authentic to who I am, really pushing out to, you know, people that follow me, what I enjoy doing, the type of person I am, what I enjoy outside of volleyball, my volleyball experience. I think everything that we experience in life is our brand. So making sure that we bring that out to our followers in a way that is authentic is is the way you build your brand. Now, I I have an advantage because I am a marketing student. I graduated with a marketing degree. So a lot of this stuff in NIL, I have a lot of experience with just from my classes in the business school. And it's it's really put me at an advantage. Um, but it's just it's something that I've been working on for a long time. And, um, you know, I hear athletes right now being like, oh, I only have one post on Instagram from 2017, you know. I don't know if that's like the best way to go. But at the same time, you don't have to capitalize on social media um, endorsements to build your brand. It can be anything. You can be appearances. It can be doing cameos, anything like that. So um, those are just some ways that I've personally found it beneficial to build my brand. I know that's different for every athlete. Jaden, how are you building your brand and how do you define your brand? I think kind of what Dan said is just being authentic to me, like, I, I don't necessarily, I, maybe it's like subconsciously I'm building my brand, but I don't necessarily look at it like, oh, I'm doing this to build my brand. You know what I'm saying? Like my time on social media, obviously, you know, you're kind of schooled on what to say, what not to say from a young age on social media. I feel like that goes to building your brand. Um, and then just like, I'm a, you know, I'm a big family person, you know, I'm a person that always shows love to a lot of people on, on my social media platforms. And just because it's NIO stuff, you know, habit. I didn't want any of that to change. You know, I just wanted to stay being myself, stay being authentic who I am. Um, but then obviously there's different strategies and stuff that, that can help you in these fields. Um, I just haven't really, you know, personally looked into it. Something I, I wish I would have, you know, started doing back before even the NIL stuff came out. You've taken some business classes too, right, Jade? Yeah, I, I've taken some business classes. I just got my uh, graduate certificate in business analytics. And then my MSB, which I'll be done with in either the fall or the winter, is in marketing and analytic insights. So I think it's great that both of you are taking these classes. I think it would help you as you navigate NIL. And both of you want to move on to the next level and play professionally. So knowing how all of that works from the marketing and the business standpoint, I think is going to serve you well. Dana, uh, you're going to go play professionally after you graduate from University of Wisconsin. Again, volleyball. Um, how are you laying the groundwork for that? And I guess your NIL experience is going to end up being one season, uh, but you can use all of what you're doing right now to kind of catapult you to when you become a pro athlete. Absolutely, and I, that's really what I've. That, that's how I've approached this opportunity. You know, I have one semester left of school and volleyball here at University of Wisconsin. And so this, the NIL has given us an opportunity to at least start having those conversations with companies that I would want to possibly partner with, with uh, in my professional career. So that has been, you know, one of the biggest gifts. And I've already had those conversations. Of course, 
we don't want to, you know, get into the weeds of conflict of interest or anything like that. But just allowing conversations like this to happen has been a huge win, especially for me, someone who's about to be a professional volleyball player in the next uh, like five months. I think that's smart. So again, plant the seeds now, maybe even do some deals with companies that you'd like to partner with when you're a pro athlete. And, you know, hopefully that's the beginning of a long-term relationship with those companies, right? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, with NIL happening, it's such a recent thing that these companies don't really know who they even want to represent them. So I think it's kind of a two-way street in that sense, you know, interacting with these companies, getting to know you and them, what their um, brand strategy is, what yours is, and seeing if you're compatible. Um, that's what these conversations allow us to make happen right now. Jaden, I know I'm going to be watching you play on Sundays in the NFL at some point. Uh, what are you doing to lay the groundwork for when you go to the next level? And, you know, again, whether that's with marketing people or whether it's with companies that you uh, like their product and, and might want to do business with uh, when you become a pro. Uh, just making sure that, like I said, just continue to be authentic, but then also just maintaining, maintaining professionalism, you know, carrying myself like a professional, um, somebody that a company can see and say, okay, you know, I, I feel safe. Or I feel good about marketing this, you know, this guy or this, this, you know what I'm saying? So for me, like I said, it hasn't really been like a big emphasis, like, oh, I need to set this up. I need to set this up. And part of that is because, you know, once you get into fall camp, we don't get no time off anyway. So my mind just hasn't really been there. Um, and another part of me is, was just kind of worn out for those five months of working on that bill that kind of made me like, like once it, it's, it's kind of ironic, but like once the bill dropped, I was kind of like, I'm, I'm cool. I've been an IL like for a little bit, like for a little bit because it was a long process. But um, yeah, I would just say just, just continue to be authentic. Um, continue to do things that got me into this position right now. And then just to maintain a, a, a level of professionalism. Dana, the other student athletes on the Wisconsin campus, are you talking to them? What are they seeing with NIL? Have you seen anyone who's made some deals or, you know, is it still relatively quiet one month in? Yeah, honestly, I would say outside of a couple of student athletes, it has remained relatively quiet relatively quiet. I personally don't really want to have conversations about NIL with my friends and my teammates. I just think that there is a level of competition that NIL does bring into the team that can be healthy or unhealthy. And I think with how new everything is, it's kind of good to just wait until our educational modules come out through Wisconsin where they're working on something right now. It's called UW. It's just it's the educational aspect of NIL, which is going to teach us some great life skills. But until then, I think that, you know, Again, things are quiet. Um, I know our quarterback has done some uh, some deals with like Canes and our O-line got sponsored by a barbecue place. Um, stuff like that that I've seen. But other than that, laying pretty low and um, just from, you know, an interactional standpoint and have it really. The first thing that comes that the fir first things don't come up in conversation are how many deals have you had and what, what are you talking about? Just because at the end of the day, we're all student athletes. We're here to get an education. We're here to perform well at our sport. And if we don't do those things, the deals won't come to begin with. So I want to go back to what you just said about University of Wisconsin offering a module, uh, an educational module to teach student athletes about NIL. In general, 
what is that course going to look like? Cause we have people from other universities that listen to this and they may go, oh my gosh, we need to offer that kind of course at our university. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of this stuff does pertain to NIL, but it's also just great life skills. It's going to be, you know, those legal classes, the ones that teach you about like what copyright is, trademarks, um, you know, all of that stuff that is can be a legal issue if you cross paths with it in your NIL interactions. Um, classes like negotiation, um, taxes, stuff like that, because now we do have an income and we need to learn how to like do our taxes. And I think that's something that in college and in life that's you don't really learn. But now we're having this opportunity to get get this information out to us through our UW program, which is still kind of in the works again, all super new, but this is, they, they, they push out emails, you know, a couple times a week, just with some updates. Um, so I'm really excited because those are life skills that will take for us with us forever. And we, you know, just some stuff that you don't get to learn in a traditional classroom setting. I guess outstanding. I think every university should be offering something similar. Jaden, is Oregon State offering any kind of class like that? And if so, what does it look like? Yeah, so they're actually partnered with the College of Business and they actually do have a class on NIL. I think a few classes and I think they even talked about something like about a major potentially hmm. being some type of a major. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. So I don't want to speak on it. You know what I'm saying? But I know that they do. Are, they are offering classes and then they have actually came in like they had the one meeting before let us know it's coming and then right before it, it dropped they came in and talked to us and, and let us know like what the deal was as far as like the rules and regulations and all that. And then they uh, also gave like ways that we can turn to them for help. So like the cause of business is super big on helping and educating with, you know, all the taxes and the different things like that. And then um, like the marketing side of the business as well helps out too. And basically just trying to do everything that they can as, as we're all still filling this out of, of how to, you know, properly educate and put, student athletes in you know the best best position to actually have success with nil but at the same time there's restrictions that only allows the universities to do so much Jaden, i'll ask you this because i know the nflpa authorized agents to be able to work with student athletes like you on nil deals uh, i was a little surprised by that to be honest with you but there are players out there who have done marketing partnerships with agents who are helping them get NIL deals. Um, is this something that you've been approached about and you don't have to tell me who or how or when, but have people approached you and said, Hey, look, I know you might be playing in the NFL. Uh, let us handle your NIL deals while you're at Oregon State. Yeah, there's been a, a few actually agents that have hit me up and um, talked about NIL. And uh, it, it was, it was, wherever to hear the different things but at the same time like i like i said i my mind just hasn't been you know on nil it's been on this upcoming season and getting ready for training camp and finishing summer workouts and you know before i looked at it like you know if i wouldn't be talking to it i wouldn't be really wanting to talk to an agent about the next level right now so i really don't want to talk to an agent about nil right now but i mean at the same time, everybody's different. I'm sure if uh, if an agent approached me and was just like, "Well, if you sign with me, there's potentially you know X amount of dollars for you to get," and I know I'll get it, then maybe I maybe I have to think about it. So <laughs> right now, like I said, I'm still figuring figuring things out. Um, and then trying to my my main thing, and I think it's uh society's kind of concerned with nil 
too, which I agree with to an extent, is that, you know, you never want to get your, you know, take your eyes off the prize. You never want to forget why you're there. Because at the end of the day, you come in, you're worrying about NIL, and it's just like, well, you're not in business on the football field or on the volleyball court. Or volleyball court. And so it's, it's really all about, I feel like those two go hand in hand. I mean, there's some circumstances where, you know, somebody might not ever play it down, but they might be one of the most successful, you know, people with NIL due to their social media followings. But for me, I definitely never wanted, you know, NIL to derail my focus off of the main priority, which is playing football, you know, being a good teammate, continue to be a good leader and, you know, go out there and trying to work towards accomplishing our goals. Dana, you are nearing the end of your career at University of Wisconsin. Uh, there's been a lot of talk for years about athlete compensation, student athlete compensation. NIL obviously is a now is it's a way where student athletes can take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble. I'm not trying to ask you a, a weird question, but you know, I'm someone who thinks student athletes make a lot of money for their universities, and I guess I'm interested in finding out from you, and then I'll ask Jaden. Do you feel like the scholarship and what you've been given by University of Wisconsin is enough or 10 years from now, do you, would you like to see student athletes being compensated beyond what you're compensated with right now? Yeah. Um, I think in some cases that's kind of a loaded question. I do not and will not ever believe that student athletes should get compensated based on playing time alone. And I think that's something that a lot of people <clears throat> misinterpret student athletes are getting compensated well people that play more are going to get paid more well that's not you know always the case it's about building your brand um i mean university of wisconsin has done a fabulous job making sure that all their student athletes are taken care of no matter if that's you know scholarship cost of attendance and i know that not everybody is on scholarship but you know all of our student athletes i think are taken care of very well with that being said i do think that student athletes bring in a lot of money. And do I think it needs to be a huge sum for student athletes? No, I don't think so at all. Because at the end of the day, Jin touched on this, we are here to get an education and perform on in our respective sports. Um, so I don't know. I think I think it kind of depends on the lens you look you look through it. Um I have had nothing but gratitude for everything that I've gotten through the University of Wisconsin and um at the end of the day, you know, we work hard and we, if you, if you work hard, win games and play well, you know, think good things are going to come for you. Okay. Jaden, what's your answer to that question? Do you think student athletes are fairly compensated now by the universities or do you think there could be additional compensation in the future and, and, you know, or are things great and leave it alone? No, nah, I'm not that. So, I mean, it is a loaded question because there's a lot of ramifications and it's really complex when you talk about revenue sharing, not only because of the laws, but because of, I wouldn't say a money problem, but how universities, you know, decide to spend their money, where they allocate, you know, different resources. It makes it a tricky question, but I'll answer this. I'll say in a perfect world where no other sport, first of all, no other sport gets touched or that gets hindered from, you know, any sport getting paid or whatever. I do believe that college athletes should be compensated. I mean, you, you look at the amount of money that is made every single year. And this is not to say because the first thing that somebody would say, that I said, oh, well, he's not grateful for his scholarship or he's not grateful for what, you know, the school provides for them or whatever they may say. And that's just not true at all. 
Um, I think you look at the money that's in college athletics. You know, I play college football, so I'm going to say specifically college football right now. Um, and it's crazy. And it's it's crazy. This is things I learned kind of over this past year that I never really looked into. Or knew. I, I never knew how much money, you know, the Pac-12 makes or the Big Ten makes or the SEC makes, you know, off of sports. I, I never really understood that. And when you look at, you know, all the college sports that come through and all the college athletes, I think that if college athletes could be compensated, I think that you could have changed a lot of lives because there's a lot of people who, who don't go on to play professionally when they're projected to play professionally when they first come in. So they put all their eggs, you know, in one basket, make them professionally whether that's their performance, whether that's, you know, injuries or different things, it may not pan out. You know, that person might've been from a low-income community. That person may not have had the best, you know, life growing up or been from the best area. And that person, you know, might go right back to it once they lose football because they think that, you know, football is everything with nothing to show for. But I mean, they have to agree, obviously, which we both said we're obviously thankful for. But um, yeah, I mean, it is just a tricky question because I don't want to step step on any toes or overstep or create any controversy because I know it's a controversial question. But I mean, overall, yes, I do believe student athletes should be compensated. And like she said, it doesn't have to be a huge lump sum. I mean, even if you do, even if you say, okay, we're going to split this percentage across all student athletes evenly, like she said, like any extra money or any extra, you know, way that a student athlete could be compensated, I think will help. Good answer. Uh, Dana, let our audience get to know you a little bit. If you were not playing volleyball and you were just a student and taking the classes that you've taken and you graduate from University of Wisconsin, what would you want to do? So, to also a loaded question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are your parents listening? <laughs> my, my parents will definitely be listening to this. Um, so I am actually kind of in between two places. So I graduated with my a degree in marketing and risk management and insurance. So two completely opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, I am super passionate about all of this, the sports marketing, being in sports. It's my passion. It's what I love to do. So that is ultimately, I think, what I would want to do in the future. On the other side, I'm an internship right now in insurance, specifically reinsurance. And um, it's also super interesting, not as, I guess, creative as you could be in the marketing side, but um, that like corporate insurance, there's just, it's, it's huge. It's complex. It's, it's a puzzle. So um, I, I don't know, again, two opposite sides of the spectrum, two different brains for myself. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, as a normal student, I would definitely want to get into sports marketing. Hey, it's good to have options, right? Like you exactly. taking your classes, you've got lots of options ahead. And obviously first, hopefully you're going to have a, a nice career playing pro volleyball. Uh, Jaden, if you were not playing football and you were graduating and going out into the workforce, what would you want to be doing? I mean, not to bite off her, but similar type of day. I've definitely been the type of person who always wanted to be around sports, you know, after I'm done playing. So I think, Something within sports marketing, especially being out here in Oregon, you know, we have, you know, Jordan brand, Nike brand, Adidas brand, all right here in our backyard. You know, thankfully, I've been able to make some connections with people who work there, you know, throughout my whole entire life. So, um, you know, if I ever wanted to pursue something like that, I know I'd have connections to help me get my foot in the door. So I think definitely something within sports, uh, sports business as well. I've also thought like, I don't know, maybe like humbly speaking, I feel like I could... 
I would enjoy doing a lot of different types of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, even like if I wanted to be like an agent, you know, one day or, or different things like that. Um, then there's always my, you know, my, my coaches are always telling me that I'm, I'm going to be a coach in 20 years from now. They're like, I'm oh, going to be a coach. Why? So I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to be a coach. Like, yeah, like <laughs> they devote so much time, you know what I'm saying? And then don't get to play on Saturday, Sunday. So it's, that'd just be tough. Um, but uh, yeah, I think some within within sports, sports business would be right a mile. For our listening audience, I've known Jaden since he was born. I'm, I'm very good friends with his dad and mom and family. And, you know, it's so great to see what you've grown into. Dana was on with us on uh, Sports PR Summit online a few weeks ago, and I was so impressed with how she conducts herself and how eloquent you are. And, you know, you guys have done a, a great job with uh, what you've done on the field of play or on the court, uh, and then also taking advantage of learning in the classroom. Dana, I'll end with this. Over the course of your career at University of Wisconsin, this could be on or off the court. What's the biggest, most valuable lesson that you've learned? Hitting all the loaded questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, so... As of right now, this is my best answer. Just the biggest lesson I've learned is just how valuable relationships are, whether that be with teammates, with staff members. Um, Building those connections at our age is just so important for your future success. And I mean, I'm someone who's a huge people person. I love meeting new people and being around people and getting to talk to people. And that has just been something that in the position that I'm in has just been such a gift to be able to have the opportunity to meet so many people and to just build relationships, build connections, but then or to build my own brand and just to, you know, support the community that supports our program so much. So um, that has probably been the biggest thing. Just always sharing the love and giving the love is kind of my motto. <laughs> Dana, how old are you? I'm 22. You are like 22 going on 55. You are on <laughs> ISB on. Now the answer, the, the value of relationships and recognizing that building relationships is, is essential. Uh, just whether it's friendships or business relationships or coaches or whatever, like that's a wonderful answer. Jaden, I'm going to ask you now, you got to follow up that answer. That's a, that's a tough act to follow, but. I know you value relationships too, but what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? And, you know, I'll tell our audience, Jaden was a star basketball player in Oregon and you walked on at Oregon State. So I'm so proud of you because you have earned everything that you've gotten. No one, you know, recruited you as a football player or said, hey, like, we're going to give you this opportunity. You made it all happen. Yeah. And that's, Funny that you said that because I was just sitting here thinking, like, what was my biggest lesson? Because I've learned so much, so many lessons, you know, went through so many adversity. Like I said, walked on. The overarching thing I think would be, like, I always thought and looked back and thought, like, I always wanted to be controlled. Like, I always wanted to control the narrative of my life. And by doing so, the biggest lesson I learned in, in doing that was to take accountability for my own life. Like, whatever position I'm in, I had to come to a realization that no matter what BS that I thought I was going to do or, you know, whether it was injuries or, or this coach doesn't like me or this person did this, like 
it was always like, you know what I'm saying? That was what it was. It was never like, okay, well, what could I do differently? Yeah, some BS happened to me. What could I do differently? Because at the end of the day, the only actions that I can control are my own. I can't control what somebody else does. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to take control of my life, control the narrative of my life. And in doing so, every little thing or situation that I'm in, I only look to myself. You know, I only look in the mirror like, okay, what can I do? And on the flip side of it, it made me a better person. You know, it made me a better player. It made me a better leader because I no longer point fingers, you know, for anything that happens to me or, oh, this happened, that, that they did that. I, I just look at myself and I look in the mirror and really, truly take accountability or just look, you know, what could I have done differently or what should I do differently moving forward? And I think that's how I am able to learn. I wish I was half as wise and mature as you guys at your age when I was your age. But uh, I can't thank you both enough for shedding insight into NIL and just the student athlete experience. Uh, I wish you both uh, the best of success, Dana. I'm going to be following your career from here on out. And, and, you know, I can't wait to see you playing pro volleyball and, uh, you know, certainly reach out anytime you need anything from me and Jaden. Your family, though I know I'll be speaking to you again, but you know, uh-huh. Do you, I see you and BG going to hit the hill today? Uh, I don't know. We got to see. We got to see if he's up for us. It's pretty warm today. Pretty warm today. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Jaden's dad, Brian, and I'm going walks frequently, trying, uh, you know, as you get older, you got to stay in shape. So, um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, Jaden Grant, you can follow him on Twitter at Jaden Grant and Dana Redkey. You can follow her on Twitter at Dana underscore Redkey. Thank you guys so much and best of success team moving forward. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.